0: We've come to the end of the seven laws of the spiritual life. We actually finished it up, in a sense, last week, the seventh law. And now I want to wrap it up, if you will. Because I think, again, is one of these times when you've studied something like this, there has to be a response to it. You can't just study something like that and say, Oh, that was nice. You know, there has to be something that comes out from that. Remember, we looked at He is God and we are not. God doesn't need us, but we desperately need Him. What God demands, He supplies. What you seek, you find. Act of faith releases God's power. There is no growth without struggles. And then what God starts, He finishes. And as we come today, we recognize that we've come to Shechem. It's a wonderful biblical passage here that Pastor Brian read for us. If you travel about 40 miles north from Jerusalem, you come to two mountain ranges. You come to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And in between there, there's a wonderful little place where thousands of years ago a city was established for... A couple of reasons. One, for the protection of the natural surrounding, but also two major trade routes went through there. And the town of Shechem was established. But there's so much more importance in the town of Shechem because that's where God promised Abraham to give him the land. That's where Jacob promised to make God his God and to obey God. Shechem is a place where God meets with His people and reaffirms the covenants that He has made with them, but also the covenants that they make with God. We all need a Shechem now and then in our lives. We need times, we need places where we need to rededicate our lives to God. Because sometimes life comes at us and comes at us fast, right? And sometimes life is just takes us in places we never expected to go. We think we have things all planned out and next thing you know, how did I end up here? What happened? A friend of mine, Jimmy O'Neill, oh, he was a good, good friend of mine, Lost as lost can be, but loved the guy dearly. He and I, we were, when we were younger. You didn't want to be around us, <laughs> you know. He was one of the only few people that I know who can get be shoveling snow, be taken down the street by a snowplow, and get up and think it was great and wanted to do it again. <laughs> That's Jimmy. He's a guy that has a lot of adversity in his life. He had polio as a kid. Walks with a limp, his back is, is all messed up. We used to do drywall together. He uh, <laughs> had to have back surgery one time. And we thought, well this is it. You know, he had to have discs fuses fused together. So we took his tools, his hand tools, and we put them on a plaque and we spray painted them gold. <laughs> you know, gotta give him the gold uh, you know uh, drywall hammer. <laughs> he was so mad. I'm not done working. I'm going to still work. (laughs) What's wrong with? So he wore his gold tools (laughs) till they, till the gold wore off. Then he had to have rods put in his back. Thirteen-hour surgery. That did end his drywall career. But he's got a time that he needs to make an appointment with God he's a dear friend of mine and I care so much about him I don't get to talk to him that often he knows about God he can talk about God but I really don't believe he knows God Shechem is a place where those who know God who've made a covenant with God who've entered into a relationship with God who sometimes realizes life has taken them in places that they shouldn't be or just a time to reaffirm their commitment with God. Sometimes it doesn't mean you've fallen into sin. Sometimes it just means the relationship somewhat has grown cold. Believe me, God is not the one who ever turns from us. Amen? And sometimes we have to realize the importance of a place like this. Abraham erected an altar as a reminder of God's promises in Genesis chapter 12. And Jacob rededicated his life as a part of his uh, obedience and putting away the idols in Genesis 35. And then 700 years later in Deuteronomy chapter 27, uh, Moses gave the people of God a warning there at Shechem. And now here this passage that Pastor Brian read for us is Joshua is doing the same thing. Joshua has come to the end of his life. We've talked about this before when we studied the book of Joshua. But Joshua did amazing things because he yielded himself to God, didn't he? If you would, keep your finger in Joshua 24 if you're still there and go to the very beginning of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1, verse 6, "...be strong and of good courage." Verse 7, "...only be strong and very courageous." Verse 8, "...this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will be make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage." Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We're going to look at this even more next week. But again, God is saying, I am with you. Be strong of good courage. Don't faint. Don't give up. Life is difficult. I know that. But I have given you My Son, and not only have I given you My Son, but I have given you My Comfort of the Holy Spirit who guides you in, in truth and righteousness and encourages you and you and enables you to do what I've called you to do. Will you trust Me? And we say, yes, God, I trust you, but... <laughs> you know, we are like the father at, at, at the one who had the demon-possessed son, right? In, in Mark chapter 9. When Jesus and, uh, uh, and the disciples come down, Matthew and, and um, Peter, James and John come down with the Lord. And, and there's the disciples trying to cast out the demons. They couldn't do it. And the Father comes to Jesus and asks him to do it. And Jesus says, uh, do you believe? And He says, yes, I believe, but help my unbelief. I think that's where many of us are. I don't believe this is really going to get any better. Well, I believe you, Lord, but I really don't think it's going to happen. We have unbelief. We've got two egresses in a sprinkler system that has to be done in the church. 75000 plus, give or take. Do we believe that God can raise up all those finances? We do believe, but... I bet you there's some of you who's sitting there, yes, and say, but I don't know how. <laughs> Help my unbelief. <laughs> how is this going to happen? I don't know, but isn't it exciting to watch God work? I don't have the answers either, but I know who does. We need to rededicate ourselves to believe in God. There's a certain pattern at work here in Shechem that we see throughout history. It's a place where the words of God are affirmed by the people of God. The purpose of reaffirming your your direction is so that you go forward and don't lose your way altogether. Listen, the past has a wonderful way of shaping our future in a sense if we learn from it, doesn't it? How many of us have seen God be faithful to us? I think everybody should raise their hand, right? Is, is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? Has He been faithful to us in the past? Is He faithful to us right now? Why will He stop being faithful in the future? We have to understand who God is, the character of God. We've got to trust God. And we, sometimes God now brings us to a place called Shechem, if you will. It's not necessarily a, the physical location, the geographical location, but sometimes it's the location or the place in time. Here we are, standing on the brink of we have to trust God to go into a new direction someplace we've never gone before. Sometimes it's to a whole new level of of commitment to God. And it's scary because that commitment sometimes costs us something. And again, as I shared again with the Sunday school class and I've shared over and over again, one of the saddest verses in the Bible is John 6.66 and many of His disciples followed Him no more. Why? Because the cost of commitment is too great for some. Let me ask you What else is there? What else is there? If we were to say that's too much, where are you going to go? You're going to go back to a life where there is no joy, no peace. To a life that's just chaotic. that to a life that is just filled with uncertainties that's no life at all especially when Jesus says I come to give life and life more abundantly and that we can have the peace of God through the grace of God And so here in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 1 he says, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called the elders of Israel for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And then Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel. And he's going to have now a time with them. Joshua's life is coming to an end. As Van and the rest of the family gathered around Poppy, some of the most wonderful, precious moments is near the end of somebody's life and you listen to their last words I remember being with uh, not too long ago with Billy Purrington him in the hospital and he's not doing well and Billy says I might not always like what God gives me but I know I can trust him So simple, but yet so profound, isn't it? He didn't like that he was... what lot he had at that time. He didn't like the pain he was experiencing and knowing that the end was soon. Again, that's... we want to be with the Lord, but we sometimes, let's be honest, we fear how we're going to get there. Right? And yet, he says, I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to trust Him. And so here... Joshua is saying, look, I'm coming to the end. Listen to what I have to say. Because if nothing else, Joshua's faith in God and the way that Joshua trusted God and walked with God and was obedient to God allowed them to have victory with God. You want to listen to what this man has to say. He's better than any E.F. Hutton. You know. You want to listen to him because he has walked with God and he's the experience of that. That is a man you want to spend time with. That is a man you want to cling on to those words that he has to say. Because there's going to be great value to it. And so Joshua comes and he's going to give a message, and there's two parts to this message. In verses 2-13, through it was a recital of the many blessings of God. Joshua reminded the people of how God had given the land to Abraham and his offspring. In verses 2-4. to How he miraculously delivered the nation at the Red Sea in verses five through seven. How God delivered them from the Ammonites and Moabites in verses eight through ten. And finally how God gave them the promised land in a series of amazing military victories in verses eleven through twelve. And then his conclusion was clear in verse thirteen. He says, So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build, And you live in them and eat from the vineyards and the olive groves that you did not plant. What's he saying? God did it all. God did it all. What did we do to earn our salvation? We were born a sinner. That's it. In need of a savior. And even our even our birth we had no choice about. It was all of God. It's all of God. We have to look at the goodness of God and what He's allowed in our lives and trust God. As a reminder, they have to recognize that what they had was given to them by the grace of God. And then in part two of Joshua's message, it reminded them of their obligations before God. And that's where I want us to camp out for the remainder of our time. We don't have much time. But I want us to look at this, if you will. He tells them that they need to put away the foreign gods. Verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river, and in Egypt, serve the Lord. Now, some had brought idols with them that they had to do away with, and they had to put them away. For you and I, we might not have necessarily the icons in the home, maybe. We might not have the statues and all these things and the paintings with the little halos around everybody's head, you know. But sometimes an idol is anything that takes the place of God. Sometimes it's our careers. Sometimes it's the goal of just making money. Sometimes it's our families. Our families can, you know, again, I I know what people mean when they say, my family's number one. No, your family should be number two. God should be number one. Don't forget, the children, grandchildren, and everything that you have is a blessing from God. And again, that's part of our stewardship. How do we manage that stewardship, those precious little ones that God gives us? Do we manage them well? Do we manage them well? They're a stewardship. Everything that we have is from God. And it got to the point where we finally see one of the greatest verses that we know in Joshua that everybody, you know, many people have the plaque in their house, right? Verse 15. And if it seems. Evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's a challenge here, isn't there? There's a recommitment. Who are you going to serve today? Are you going to serve the God that led you out of Egypt? Who delivered you through the, the Red Sea, who gave you victory after victory after victory when you went into the promised land, who never allowed you to be defeated only once when you took matters into your own hands. But God who is constantly with you, who provided for you, who protected you, are you going to deny him and serve these false gods? or are you going to serve the God of heaven, the God of glory? Who are you going to serve? Folks, let me ask you, who are we serving today? Honestly are we serving the Lord? Or are we going through the motions? Are we truly serving God? Are we looking for opportunities to be used of God? Are we looking for opportunities to bless God by our service and by the way that we minister to one another? Do we do we really serve God with our commitments? Or are we going through the motions and trying to make life as comfortable as we can for ourselves? And I think that's where most of us, if we're honest, that's where we want. We want life to be comfortable. Now, again, I'm not saying God wants you to sleep on a bed of nails, eat locusts and honey, you know. I'm not saying that's necessarily what God wants. But we, especially here in North America, have the false idea in some sort of way we've got this doctrine in our mind that God wants me to be happy. Let me tell you what, I I used to like what Pastor Darty used to say. That's a wonderful Greek word, baloney. (laughs) that's, That's out of the pit of hell. Happiness is based upon your circumstances. It's a happenstance. Christ says, I come to give you life and my life more abundantly. He tells us we can have joy in the midst of the circumstances of life. These things might come. He, Jesus promises His trials and tribulations, but He says that I have already overcome them. What's overcome the world? Our faith. When we trust Jesus Christ, we're in Christ, with His cure. in Christ. We know that no matter what life hands us, we will be victorious because we are in Christ and we will get to the other side. Amen? We've got to trust God. Joshua is saying, listen, it was scary. I was there. I was with Moses. I've been in the battles. I understand. Hey, I don't like people shooting arrows at me and throwing spears and swinging swords at me. But my God was with us every step of the way and He has given us time and time again what we do not deserve. He's good to us. The thought of going back and serving some foreign God doesn't make sense so he says for me and my household and you know what, Joshua is a great leader because what he says is you choose I can't force you who you're going to choose as your pastor I can't force you to serve God I can't do that as who you're going to choose to serve Some of you young people, my heart breaks for you because you are so concerned about the things of this world and you're on a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous path. Because all you're concerned is about looking good and having the right things and being with the right people and all these things and you're forsaken your relationship with God. When life is ended and you do not have God, you have nothing. Some of you are playing a dangerous game, and the reason why sometimes some of the young people are doing it is because they watch a mom and dad. Joshua says, "Here, me and my household, we'll serve the Lord." And so the people acknowledge, "Hey, that's it. We're going to do the same thing," until problems usually come. <laughs> I used to love that when I did jail ministry. And I talked to some of the guys, the inmates. And they said, Oh, yeah, me and my buddies were doing this, and we all had each other's back until the blue lights start flashing, and the next thing I know, they're all gone, and I'm standing there by myself. <laughs> you know? I said, Where are your buddies now? You know who your friends are when trials really come, don't you? You know? But here, we know that we have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We know how we have a God that will never leave us nor forsake us. No matter how terrible life is and you know what no matter how much we make it a mess God does not desert us because normally let's be honest we're usually the ones who make the choices that gets us into trouble okay I mean there's no sense of beating around the bush and so here the people said oh yeah we're going to do this we're going to follow God and you know what? I believe, and many times in churches, and even today, when I'm going to ask for, a, you know, to make a decision, I really believe that people have a sincerity that want to trust God and walk with God, but then it's up to the body of Christ to help hold each other accountable. Now, I'm not talking about sitting there in judgment over one another. I'm talking about loving one another and edifying one another, building each other up, not allowing them to slip through the cracks. That's what I'm talking about. And so Joshua here in this portion that Pastor Brian read for us, and starting in verse 22. So Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord for yourselves to serve him. Smart move. <laughs> Smart move. And they said, We are witnesses. There is something about saying, Okay, I recognize, I understand the decision I'm making. Joshua is a reminder. Now remember, this is your choice. And they're saying, yes, we know. We know this. Now, therefore, he said, put away the foreign gods which are among you and incline your heart. Excuse me. That was good. Incline your heart to the Lord God of Israel. Listen, folks. What is it that's keeping you from really being sold out for Christ? What is it that's really holding you back? If you really don't know, ask God. He'll show you. Because He delights in showing you those things so that you can be in a closer relationship with them. But what is it that's really holding us back? And I really believe to a certain degree, like I said already, is a lack of faith or the lack of trust in God's ability. We don't believe that God is going to do what God said He's going to do. Therefore, we try to take control and make it happen ourselves. But again, they couldn't have had the victories that they had if they relied on themselves. And we've seen throughout our lives the victories that we have is because God is good all the time. All the time. And so they recognized that. And the people said to Joshua, verse 24, The Lord our God we will serve and His voice we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. Again, here's what we're talking about. Here's the place. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the in the book of the law of God, and took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord, and Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness to us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord which he has spoken to us, and it shall therefore be a witness to you, lest you deny your God. In other words, here's the stone, this monument is going to be erected, and it heard everything. Isn't it sad that sometimes a rock can hear better than our kids? <laughs> you know? But here, you know, sometimes don't you feel better? You'd be better talking to a brick wall than you would your kids sometimes, or maybe your spouse. I don't know. Paula probably feels that way talking to me some days. But you know, I mean, here here is saying is, listen, no matter what, you cannot get away. You've given your vow. You've made a commitment before God. This rock has heard everything. And this rock will even be a testimony against you if you deny your commitment. So every time you pass by this place, every time you see this rock, it is to remind you of your commitment to God. Don't miss it. This inanimate object is a witness against you or it's a witness for you. Are you going to obey God or are you going to deny God? And then I like verse 28. No big dramatic thing. So Joshua let the people depart, each to his own inheritance. You make a commitment. Once you make your commitment, you go your way. Are you going to follow God or are you going to deny God? Here's the commitment that we, as a church family, you know... One of the neat things that I, I've been pondering these past few weeks and months about this whole silly thing with the, I guess I shouldn't call it silly thing, but about the sprinkler system and the egresses and everything. What's more important? What's more important? Our testimony before our community of our God, what a great God He is, in ministering to the hearts and lives of people. This building someday is going to be consumed by fire. Now, I praise the Lord for all those who have invested in this building. We are so blessed to have this building. Don't take me wrong. What's more important is the lives of people. Our young people. Our seniors. And everybody in between. Our neighbors. Our community. Are they going to see... Of people who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ living it out before them? Or are we just going to talk a good job? Young people, let me tell you something. When I was a teenager, believe it or not, I was a teenager at one time, and I was pretty wild when I was a teenager. I partied hard, okay? And I'm not bragging on that. That's what I thought life was all about. Hanging out with your friends and partying. That's what life was. Until, you know, you graduate high school. I didn't go to college. I, got, I started working right away. You start going your separate ways. And those people that you thought were your friends forever, which some of them will be, their life takes on a different role and yours does too. You can't always be the class clown or the cool kid or the most popular. It doesn't happen. Wouldn't it be wonderful that in your yearbook it said of so-and-so was a friend of God was our, whatever, they can use a derogatory term about your relationship with God. Whatever. Was a Jesus freak. Whatever. Wouldn't it be something if they recognized your relationship with God Almighty and that you are different? Because when life comes to the end, what really counts is what have you done with Jesus Christ? Your looks can be gone momentarily. Joshua Johnson's cousin ran over by a snowmobile and part of his face gone how are your looks now those things that we hold up in place of God we've got to be very careful moms and dads what are we putting in front of God that we're showing our children what's more important than our walk with God because what we do in our lives our kids see and our kids will emulate to one degree or another what we do as a church family here today will determine our witness in our community down the road are we going to trust God we've heard the seven laws let me say them again he's God and we're not we've got to let God be God we can't control everything God doesn't need us but we desperately need him we need to live like that what God demands he supplies isn't that wonderful because what God calls us to he'll equip us for every good work what you seek you find if you hunger and thirst after righteousness you shall be filled that's a guarantee from God Act of faith releases God's power. You're sitting in the pew and wondering why God's not working, let me tell you, get up on your feet and walk, and you're going to watch God do some mighty things. There is no growth without struggles. <laughs> Can we scratch that one? I don't like to struggle either. I don't. But I know it's necessary. I was talking to somebody the other day about this and they were talking about how a science class they were watching a butterfly try to come out of its cocoon and they figured they would help, help it and they slowly cut the cocoon a little bit to help it get out. But you know what happened? The butterfly died because it wasn't able to get the strength of its wings and learn how to, to manipulate them and use them didn't have the ability to stand and to fly God wants us to soar with wings of eagles that's our God so we need those struggles and what God starts he finishes and isn't that so wonderful that again you might be sitting here and say man life has been difficult I don't really see God working but let me tell you he is he is we don't always see what God's about to do but let me tell you he is at work keep trusting him hang in there it's always let me say it again it's always too soon to quit Jesus never quit on us he went all the way to the cross and he said it is finished our salvation is secure we can have peace with God through the grace of God now, what I'm going to do is a uh, number of years ago we've done, when we actually looked at this portion we've done this a couple of times Is I've got these little glass beads rocks, whatever you want to call them and um, just like here in Shechem there's a stone that's a testimony I think sometimes holding on to this, some of you guys I know have these already still with you It's a wonderful way to remember our commitment to God of reaffirming Lord even if even if you have been walking as as close to God as you can but you recognize God I do not want to drift I don't want to go to the left or the right I want to stay right on track and I'm rededicating my life March 3rd 2013 to be the man to be the woman to be the boy the girl of God you want me to be and by my best ability by your enablement I will be that person because God, I want you to be glorified in my life. We're going to close, and Ken's going to come and close us in the last hymn. And I'm going to have these. In fact, we have multiple colors today. You are lucky. No fighting all over the. You know, we got a dark blue. We got a light blue. We got even a, almost a whitish. You know, so whatever floats your boat. You know, but again, it's it's not the color. It's the commitment, isn't it? Lord, I want you to be glorified in my life. Lord, I'm giving you all the idols that I've held so dear that's keeping me from being who I am in Christ. Lord, it's all about you. It's not about me. So Ken, would you come and close us? And after we finish the hymn, if God is speaking to your heart, And I'll close us in prayer. So if God is speaking to you, as soon as we start, come right up and come and get one of these rocks. Stay up at the front of the altar that we can pray for one another.